When you picture the independent agent of the future, what do you envision? Is it a daily grind drowning in service requests and non-revenue generating activities? Or do you dream of a day when you're free to do all the things that you love about insurance, building and implementing effective marketing strategies and onboarding new clients while taking your agency to revenue heights you never thought possible? Well, my friends, the future is now. With the premier independent agent self-servicing platform, Glovepox, you can finally get back to what got you into insurance in the first place, the freedom. Let Glovebox, let the Glovebox platform deliver an amazing customer experience to your policyholders with direct-to-carrier connections. This is not connecting to your management system or anything like that, guys. This is direct connection with the carriers. With Glovebox, you can finally take back what you love about being an insurance agent and watch your revenue skyrocket. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Make sure you mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your monthly subscription for life. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Miami, Florida. First team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent, great American, and my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Lewis Gazatua. How are you guys? I'm doing great, Scott. That doesn't get old, man. I can get used to that. I got, I got the... Uh... The goosebumps going right now. So I got a haircut two days before because we, I appreciate that. We have got so much to talk about this afternoon. So much to talk about. So, ladies and gentlemen, I need to introduce to all of you an idea that I had six months ago that I'm still working on. When I met Gaz back, I guess it's been about two years ago, I told him he was one of my top five favorite people that I've ever had an opportunity to meet. <laughs> And I think about him a lot, but I don't get to talk to him very often because he and I are both busy. We got kids and wives and businesses and all this other stuff going on. So I decided that he needed his own lifestyle brand. And my first order of business is I spent about three days working with some graphic designers and I'm still not sold on the on the logo, but I am in the process of creating the top five men's lifestyle brand and it is all going to be based on my friend Louis Gazatua because you <laughs> sir deserve a lifestyle brand you know what you fired me up by the way and, and you show me the prototype because I saw you send me a dm on instagram dude I, I love it man I'm, I'm all about it I, I will wear it tomorrow I wear it every day it'll be part of my uniform so uh no no pressure but I'm all in man so here's where I am with it. Right now. I'm about to fire you up even more. And by the way, guys, the lifestyle brand is this. It's confidence. It's charisma. <laughs> it's effortless. It's seductive. It's masculine. It's timeless. That is the, the essence of our lifestyle brand that we have. Now, I have, I have produced five top five hats. All five of them except one and i meant to wear it today people have wanted that i want that hat give me that hat my <laughs> son reps the top five hat all the time i love it all That's the time so I, I i'm in the process i have a i have a scent for our body lotion our 
aftershave that I I'm serious. I swear to God, I'm, I need to send it to you because obviously everything that gets done with the top five brand, because it's your brand has to be approved by you, right? I can't do anything with a brand without your approval. I'll give you full autonomy. And actually if we're going to launch it. I will go to Huntsville, Alabama for the launch party. I promise that I love it. I, I'm going out to that because I'm not, this, this is not something I'm, I'm holding lightly at all. So one thing I do need your help with is a tagline. You know, at first, I love your tagline that needs to be on every T-shirt in America. If you can't tone it, tan it. Correct. But I don't is- I don't think that works for the lifestyle brand. We need something that goes da-da-da-da-da, top five. <laughs> you know, the, the, I can't tone it, tan it. It's more of a, but it's, it's, it's a it's, lifestyle, right? It's, right? it's something I figured out when I was like 19 years old going to the gym every day, I figured there, there are a few things, no matter how many pull-ups I would do, it wouldn't matter. But the more sun I got and the more tan, the more confident I got, I just felt like, you know, you know, that was one of those things. So I'll, I'll come up with a different tan line. <laughs> Actually, when I get a boat, it's going to be called no tan lines. That, like that's, that. that's, 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 that's the boat that I'm, I'm saving money for. Uh, but I'll get you a, a tagline. I'm going to tell you the other area that I'm really going to need your help with is our clothing line. Because your style is so, I love your style, but you're going to have to have a lot of input in that. And then, of course, once we get this thing rolling, we're going to need to do salad dressings, food, drinks. We got to have, we got to have a signature drink. And then the last piece of the puzzle is both an app for the top five brand where you can, you know, buy all of your top five gear. And then a credit card, which I'm hoping what I want to do is partner with American Express and come up with a top five card. That's what I want to do. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sell insurance anymore. You got to be fired <laughs> up, Scott. I'm, I mean, talking about, I'm talking about what, a billion, what, what? billion dollar idea you. here. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll sell a little side on the commissions every month, a little on the residual side. I'm going to put it into the, uh, the, apparel, the, the apparel shop. I, ha- I have another business opportunity. This one is less... Uh, moving parts to it, but I would 1000% do this with you tomorrow. And I've been thinking about this for a year. I want to create a Cuban coffee shop and bring it to Alabama, bring Cuban coffee to Alabama. And with your restaurant expertise, which we may get into later on, I think you are the perfect business partner with that. Plus, you know, great Cuban coffee when you see it, right? Hey, that that's done. I'm already, I'm already, logistics is the other side of the business. I'm already in it. And any excuse to go up there. I, I told you before this conversation, you did. I'm planning a visit to Alabama. I'm going up there to see you anyway. Cause I mean, obviously like, so I, I know we talk about the top five stuff, but uh, but we met about a couple of years ago, just overall, you being a good person and what you do for, you know, we, what we do have in common besides being good people is what you do for our industry. So I appreciate you more than, you know, um, and what you do for everybody else. And this is something that you do on, as because you're passionate about this, this industry itself. So thank you for you, man. I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm proud to have you on as my co-host today. Guys, before we get started, let me say this. We are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to help all of you 250,000 insurance agents from around the world row the boat to the lighthouse and live the life that you deserve to live. And That's all this podcast is about. I've told you guys before, when I'm 70 years old and I'm out on my property one day on my tractor and you roll up in a limousine and hand me a check for $1 million, that'll be a happy day for me. I'm looking forward to one of you guys doing that. But I hope 
that each and every one of you take something from this podcast today. And it is time to give our guest today the introduction that he has always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from Orlando, Florida, and he currently resides in Davie, Florida. He is married to the beautiful Heather, and they have two beautiful baby girls. He is a graduate of Florida State University, and he has certifications in risk management, surplus lines, and certified surplus lines expert. He's a 24-year veteran of the insurance industry with carriers like Western World, AIG, Hull & Company, and for the past 10 years, he has served as a senior underwriter and currently as the area president for Risk Placement Services. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Al Garasi. How are you, Al? Good. How are you? Thank you for the intro. Man, thank you so much. I wish I, wish so I had much. like that intro music, like the Yankees, you know? Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate both you and Top 5 coming on the show today. And, you know, he's the one that introduced me to you a few days ago. And we have a lot to talk about because as the three of us spoke about before we got on this podcast today, there's just a lot of things to talk about in excess and surplus insurance, right? And there's a lot of agents out there listening to this that maybe haven't really deep dove into excess and surplus because they're not in hard mark or, you know, places like Texas, Florida, Alabama now, uh, where they have to really call on brokers and get excess and surplus lines. So talk to us a little bit about your experiences and get in my DeLorean for a minute and just talk to us about how you got in the industry and bring us up to today. And then we'll start talking about excess and surplus. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for uh, Lewis reaching out. Um, I'm very passionate about insurance. I've spent my whole life in the excess and surplus lines side, but ins I love insurance in general. So I'm, I'm more than happy to come on and, and hopefully I can help uh, people either understand or easily access the excess and surplus lines marketplace. Cause I do know it's a little bit of a mystique and sometimes frustrating uh, process. So uh, I started, uh, I went to college as undecided. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Actually, I wanted to work for Sunbank, which, uh, no longer exists. Uh, they seem like they had a pretty good setup. And uh, I realized it wasn't that great at math. Uh, one of the classes you had to take was intro to risk management. And you just knew like the little thing just clicked. Everything was exciting. It was law. It was contracts. It was fraud, crime, you know, everything, uh, numbers in the sense of uh, statistics and probability. So I uh, really got excited. I finally was like staying up at night trying to finish my degree. And uh, Florida State has a great RMI program. There's a bunch of schools now that are doing it. Uh, the industry needs a lot more uh, professionals into it, so they're serving that need. Uh, I started as a wholesaler in Florida. Wholesale, for the most part, is a family relationship business. I loved that aspect of its creativity. Uh, as being a future millennial, you know, things weren't happening fast enough, so I uh, hopped around a couple times early in my career, which I wish probably I wouldn't have, but uh, I moved to New Jersey, was a carrier underwriter for a while. Uh, then I moved to the city as a, as a Florida boy born, born on a dirt road. You know, uh, the idea of working in New York City, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It was very attractive. So right. I went over there and then, uh, you know, I met my wife and uh, we returned back to Florida. So I've been in wholesale the whole time. I really enjoyed. it. I love the uh, creativity, uh, the entrepreneurial uh, spirit of it. And uh, I've never worked retail, so I have a great appreciation 
for what retailers uh, have to go through on a day-to-day basis when uh, facing clients. Um, but uh, as far as being on wholesale, I, I really enjoy the relationship uh, aspects of dealing with. Uh, there's a lot of people I've dealt with since 1997. I deal with them to this day. And so uh, that part of insurance, I really enjoy. That's awesome. So tell our audience today, let's just start with the start and end with the end. For the guys and girls out there that maybe they don't ride a lot of excess or maybe they don't ride any. Maybe they're in the uh, middle of the U.S., Midwest, somewhere, and for whatever reason, they just are they're like, what the hell is this excess and surplus stuff that you're talking about? Now, for some yeah. of us, we ride it all the time, so we know exactly what it is. But talk right. a little bit about what excess and surplus is. Yeah, so excess and surplus lines, I mean, in big states like uh, Lewis and I, Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, it's it's a, a, a daily uh, exposure that you have to it. But officially, it's the safety valve of the insurance industry. So Ooh, like uh, your, your primary market should be your direct markets. You have the most control. You earn the most revenue from. Uh, you have an opportunity to build a lot of relationships, maybe possible some incentives on the backside. But what do you do when none of those will uh, offer you terms and you have a client to serve? So rather than letting that business walk out the door, you would access a a wholesaler who would access the excess and surplus lines marketplace uh, to the markets that we represent. And traditionally in the good old days, it was mainly for market access. The only reason that you would go to a wholesaler is for market access. It's markets that you did not have direct access to. But with the modernization of insurance and how things are, are moving a lot faster than we want, wholesale had to raise their game. And so now it's more about expertise, specialization, product innovation, there's a lot more angles to just market access because if all the distribution is just providing access, you're going to get cut out. And that, I mean, that re- retailers feel that as well. Like you have to bring value. And if you're not bringing value, you're not going to exist. So uh, wholesale is uh, booming right now. So you had mentioned it before about hard and soft markets. Uh, they're secular. They go up and go down. They're not as wild and violent as they have been in the past. They're kind of like microwaves. Uh, but what they say is, is, is it more competitive or less competitive? So to a certain degree right now, depending on what industry you're in or what state you're in, uh, the market is either more competitive or less competitive than it has been. So in Florida, for instance, uh, since 2005, which was Wilma, we've been in pretty much a, a softer market. It hasn't been a soft market, but softer where the expectation is that plenty of markets were fighting for your business, both admitted or non-admitted. And you are most likely getting a reduction or broadening coverages year after year after year. Then with Irma, with the financial uh, situation, with unrest in the in the world, there's different reasons why the the tips the scales tip. But then we started working into a firming market, and then in a firming market, the, the admitted markets are super tight. They're raising prices. They're uh, cutting their distribution, and so more business flows to wholesale. So a lot of people who maybe not in the last ten or fifteen years have had to um, deal with wholesalers, maybe their, their, uh, frequency that they're dealing with them now is getting better or, you know, uh, more frequent. Uh, and a lot of times maybe it is not for capacity or a market. Maybe it's sometimes it's a expertise play. So maybe you're an agency that doesn't really write environmental. So you're like, Hey, I want to write this risk, but I don't know much about environmental rather than hiring an environmental expert. Let me reach out to a wholesaler that specializes in environmental. So, to me, the modern wholesale proposition is we're an extension of your uh, marketing team and your office and, you know, work 
we are supposed to work together uh, in order to solve problems for your clients, you know, and, and make you look good and retain clients. And, you know, we know that we're not going to be your clients, every policy, you know, we're there to round it out. You have a, a admitted direct markets for most of the lines of business, but you want to round out the account. So, you know, you come to wholesale and we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe it's a situation where it's in rehab. They've had claims or it's a new venture. You send it to wholesale we figure it out, we rehab them, we clean them up, and then you move it back to a mid a market. But ultimately the goal is to provide solutions to your clients and make you look good. So let me ask you this. I had a lot of questions for you today. Question number one that I had, and I'm, I'm sure top five has got some as well. And I'm, I'm specifically asking you this because of your expertise as a senior underwriter and the fact that you've been in that chair a lot in the past. How has the actual underwriting philosophy, and you guys mentioned this in your market report that I just read an hour ago too, how has the underwriting philosophy changed over the past, say, five to 10 years? I mean, it's an, it's an exciting time to be in insurance or any industry. And, you know, a lot of this is technology based, and you could either see it as a threat or an opportunity. Uh, probably earlier in my career, I would see it as a threat. Now I see about how much more opportunity we have. But underwriting, for the most part, for carriers and for wholesalers, has been by intuition and gut, you know, and uh, try, mm -hmm. and trying to make deals happen, you know, through modeling, uh, through data. Uh, carriers are making smarter decisions, and so sometimes we're on the bad side of that, you know, uh, things that we used to write all day long, they're not willing to write. Uh, the ways they're accessing information through API or through different vendor services puts an increased, like there's so much information out there mm -hmm. that people are making smarter decisions. And sometimes it does make underwriting confusing and um, frustrating because in the good old times, you know, you had an appetite, you kind of knew, uh, especially like in South Florida, uh, Lewis could probably appreciate this is you kind of knew what the rate was. And if you sold one of those, you're going to sell them all down the line. For the rest right. of the ones and then then you you go to the neighbor and you say hey i just wrote your neighbor and i got a really good deal you know give me your insurance and i'll do the same and then it comes back wildly different and you're thinking like how you know how could this be so uh that, that's the bad side of uh using data but the good side is you know it's omni-channel you know some people like to deal the old-fashioned way like myself on the phone uh, we like to figure out the details of the account we'll hammer it out some people want a, a strictly a uh, virtual experience, you know, either over the phone, uh, as far as, you know, quoting over the phone or uh, through a platform. Uh, so basically, it's just trying to reach customers in the most efficient manner, but through data and underwriting. And I think the world's just going to spin faster and faster. Like a lot of these things haven't happened to the wholesale side yet, but there are admitted markets out there that you put in an address and that is all the information that is collected. And it I've tried it myself. You know, I put in my street, uh, my home address. It says pay here with your credit card. There, there's there's no relationship. There's no discussing of your exposures. Uh, they just go right into it. So I personally, as a as an insurance professional that, you know, you build up, you know, accreditations and licenses and, and certifications. You hope that that's not what the world comes to, that you're adding value and that we're a concierge to the uh, insurance industry. But I can see there is a subset of customers who uh, do not want to deal with a person. They just want to, you know, do it online. Um, and so um, to me, that's how underwriting has changed. Uh, we are more driven by the numbers. And so sometimes it is more frustrating in trying to explain why 
our insured is unique as compared to the group that it's in. So I think to me that solidifies our role in insurance. Like, hey, we're here as an advocate to the insured. We're going to tell the market and put the, put the risk in the best light possible and tell it why it's better uh, than the average risk. So to me, I think that's the biggest change. And I think it, the world is spinning faster than ever. If you think about how much different insurance is in the last 15 years, think about how much of it was in the last five years. Like it is moving quickly. Al, let me ask you, as far as autonomy, right? You being on the wholesale side, how much autonomy do you have on specific accounts? You know, growing up in the business and we've been knowing each other for a long time, doing this not 15 years, just understanding for those who don't know on the wholesale side, you have quote unquote binding authority, right? The ability to do stuff quote unquote in-house or stuff at the broker out. Like how does that work as far as your business goes and like what's kind of the sweet spot, like as far as a checklist goes, like how, how, can you walk me through that? Yeah. So in uh, wholesale, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, insurance is, I don't know if it's on purpose confusing, but we use a lot of, uh, no, it's, it's a purpose. And a lot I think of it's on purpose. <laughs> a lot of words. So, you know, ENS, excess and surplus lines, non-admitted, right. uh, wholesale, we, you know, keep we going, keep going, things. keep going. Fear, and, fear, uh, fear. So traditionally in binding authority, uh, MGA, they would call it managing general agent. They have the authority to underwrite on the carrier's behalf. So that would either be called binding MGA, uh, sometimes program management or program underwriter, which they kind of, or MGU, uh, there's little nuances to that as well, versus straight brokerage, which the wholesaler has no underwriting authority. Uh, their job is to connect and craft a solution to present to the marketplace. So in binding authority, uh, you know, we're, uh, MGA has extended authority to underwrite on their behalf. You know, they check your provenance, your experience, how well you are, and they also judge you on your uh, results, you know, similar to how a retailer with their direct market. So, you know, if we, the better our results, either by audit or by profitability, they extend more authority to you. Uh, and then if you're on the flip side of the coin, they may take authority away or uh, discontinue the relationship. Um, so the trick with we're getting smarter, carriers are getting smarter, they're getting, you know, they're trying to get outside capital. And so in order to get outside capital, you know, they have to show results, they have to show data. And a lot of the things are trying to be more efficient. You know, how can we do more deals with less time? So I would say part of it is on the binding authority side, maybe similar to the admitted world, is it is getting a little more vanilla than it used to be in the wild, wild west, uh, where we could make things up. There's a little more boxes that they put around it, only to give themselves comfort. Uh, and so then I see the, you know, creativity uh, and um, the crafting is moving up market a little bit. So you think like, hey, a lot of these accounts, and maybe you're seeing this with the admitted world, you don't get to talk to a real person unless it's Correct. this. Uh, or say like the eight banking world, like you're, they're going to charge you to talk to somebody. You have to use the ATM for everything. So I do think that's going to happen in insurance just because there is a lot of frictional cost in insurance. You know, hey, we have to do a retailer. You have to do with a wholesaler. You have to do a carrier. There's regul regulation we have to, to yep. uh, uh, abide to. So there is a lot of frictional cost in insurance and, and you know, whether it's insurance or an outside uh, industry is going to figure out like, Hey, we can make money in this business if we can figure out how to do it a little bit smoother. So, you know, you, you figure like a Google or an Amazon is, you know, possibly like licking their chops on some of these. Now we all know that it's a lot more difficult than they think it is. Right. Um, so, but you know, at a certain point, there will be a subsection of business that will be done uh, automated. And, you know, look at us. What is the most expensive thing that you've bought online 
that you never touched, that no, you never tried on, that you've never felt, you know, everybody has kind of like a, a cap to that. And so they will not spend an, a, an, a great expenditure on that. And so you see like a small business, maybe they would. Now, if you have a decent sized business that has some unique exposures, you're, you're going to want to deal with somebody. You want to have a number to call like, hey, Lewis, what's going on with my deal? Like, hey, you know, like we just did this. We have this plan for next year. How should I prepare? There's definitely customers who are going to say, I'm willing to involve an agent and I'm willing to pay more mm-hmm. because I want somebody to talk to. Now, on, on the surplus line side, right, how much how much of a factor or or how much weight do you put on creativity? Right. Because we know like we've done stuff before as far as the hard to place markets and not just claims, but new ventures. Things are, you know, cat exposed areas. Like how much of it do you weigh on as far as creativity on the agent side to be able to help you to sell the account? Like how much? Because obviously a lot of us are used to in a perfect world, be able to go online, get a quote, move on and so on and so forth. But how much do you put on as far as the agent side that makes your life easier to be able to sell these hard to place accounts? I mean, to me, the where it all starts is a relationship. I know we mentioned it a couple of times already, but if you are able to find a wholesaler or a wholesaler is able to find a retailer where you have a close relationship where you can talk things out through first, hey, I have this deal. What kind of information are you going to need? Are you versed in placing these kind of deals? You get kind of that relationship where you've officially decided we're on the same team. Uh, if you're decided you're on the same team, I'm able to... Uh, like a project manager, tell Lewis, say, hey, I need this kind of information. As long as we can do this, we're going to be able to bring it home for you. Uh, and when we come to the marketplace, I personally believe if there is not some sort of exception or some sort of thing crafted, the competition is going to have the same thing that you have. Uh, and so right. it's a super competitive world uh, in insurance. You know, there's thousands of agents, as you guys know, there's tons of wholesalers. Uh, there's not a lot of carriers, but you know we're all competing for that, and we're it's fierce, you know. And well, so and, I, and, and, I, and I say and, like and, part of a good wholesaler is you know prepping the retailer for what kind of the process is going to be, what they're likely to ask, and then on the on the flip side, Lewis, whether he was going to ask me directly or not, it's my role to explain it to him to say, hey, this is what the the insured might ask this. This is what you're going to tell him. Hey, make sure you bring up this point. Uh, I see what they're competing against. You might want to bring up that. And I think part of, uh, Scott, what you had mentioned before, the position papers or white papers uh, that we do or our competitors put on are a really great example to help a retailer be able to sell uh, to their insurer. Like, hey, yes, this has gone up a lot or, hey, there's restricting coverage, but these are the reasons that are in the marketplace. And I did uh, market your account and this is the best terms that the market would bear. Uh, to jump into one thing is I, I made a lot of mistakes early on when I got into the business. And can you talk about, so, so as a wholesale broker, right? A lot, of, a lot of wholesale brokers have access to the same markets. I mean, what is the best way? So the mistakes I made early on was I get a submission and send it out to multiple wholesale brokers, right? And then I piss everybody off. And I, 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 I didn't know I was pissing everybody off, but I pissed everybody off because you got it, right? And all your three competitors got it. And I didn't understand that. It was more of... I'm trying to do my due diligence. So, you know, can you tell me what would be the 101, right? What, why, and how should you market accounts to wholesale, to wholesale brokers? What would be the 101? So you don't, I don't get yelled at or people don't get yelled at like I did multiple times. Yeah. Well, you know, wholesale for the most part is, a, is an agency model. I mean, we're here to write business. We want to win. You know, uh, I know a lot of times when you're dealing with a wholesaler, you feel like they're putting up uh, maybe it, 
perception is that they're putting up roadblocks to right business. But uh, we, in order for us to keep the lights on, we want to win uh, as well. So uh, there's an incentive for us to, to help you out and come through for you. So my advice, I think one thing in insurance is we jump into bed really early. Uh, we say, hey, send me a submission. We do it. You know, uh, on, on the wholesale side, we need to do a better job in making sure we're aligned with what the retailer is doing. Like, do you have room for us? Are you happy with who's servicing uh, your business? Are you getting market access? Are you getting the kind of service that you need to do your business? And on the flip side, retailers, uh, especially, you know, you see like an established one or maybe like now in the, in the life cycle that Lewis is in, he's interviewing the wholesaler uh, before he's going to give him a submission. Hey, what are you good at? What is your go-to markets? Uh, what do sure. you have unique that nobody else has? So I think in the early days, you're just so excited to write some business, you know, wholesale, let me send it out to some wholesalers, but we're the same way, you know, hit ratio, you know, we have all the same metrics that everybody else does. Um, and so to me, uh, now that I'm, you know, more mature, got a couple of gray hairs here, you know, you start, <laughs> it's more of an interview where you say, Hey, is there an opportunity for me to service your business? Or it sounds like your needs are being met, move on. So what I would say to me is us, if I was a retailer, I've never done retail, but if I was a retailer, find two or three, what I would call a generalist wholesalers. Uh, you want you want to keep them honest as well. You know, you don't want to put all your big eggs in one basket, but, you know, keep them honest. Be honest and forthright with them and say, hey, listen, it's a competitive market. I'm I'm uh, I'm worried about losing this account myself. And then in addition to, you know, and then it'll be a battle of the, the you know, it's competitive. So, you know, it's business. Uh, whoever wins all the time, you start to build a relationship with you. And I feel like you would be a lot further down the road if you built a solid relationship with two or three wholesalers. It's predictable. You know their accounting system. You know how they handle their claims. Uh, you know how long things take. You know, you feel very comfortable. You don't have that anxiety of dealing with a bunch of wholesalers uh, that you're not used to. In addition to that, if you are a specialist yourself, like if you're into trucking, if you're into hospitality, if you're into professional lines, if you're into... Uh, roofers, then you search out wholesalers that are specialized in that. So that brings a lot of value to the table uh, for you. And I, also, I think as a retailer, it uh, keeps you efficient. You know, it's a, it's a, it, there is a cost in trying to keep a lot of markets happy and trying to feed a lot of markets. Um, and so to me, I think it's the relationship, it's the interviewing, it's the asking. Also, I personally, the way I like to do it is to have a conversation first and say, hey, what are you up against? What kind of information you're going to need versus making you fill out a lot of paperwork uh, in advance for me to just tell you like, hell, we need a different application, you know, because a lot of markets, especially as the market firms, uh, everybody wants their own application, you know. Yep. Before yeah. in the soft market, nobody heard it. What's loss runs? I never heard of that. And now it's <laughs> now it's mandatory. You know, so the loss runs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, so, hey, Al, Al, I got to stop right here because top five said something that made me laugh. So I got to tell this story. It's a short story, and then I've got a question for you. So as everybody knows, we went fully independent last year. We had worked with some wholesalers before then because. As a nationwide principal agent, they'd given us a letter of authority to, to write commercial through whoever we wanted to probably five years ago. So we'd started dipping our toe in that water. So about a year ago, about a, about a year ago today, uh, we got some risk that we knew. You, The longer you do this, guys, if you're not in excess and surplus, you kind of know uh, when you get a risk 
if it's yep. going to need to go excess of surplus. I mean, if some guy calls you and says, hey, I've got an electric bull riding <laughs> manufacturing plan I need to get insured, uh, all state insurance ain't writing that, guys. hate to break the news to you. So to top five's point, we've got, Al, you said it earlier, I think we've got three major wholesalers. And let's just pull the curtain back for them. Not always, but most of the time, a lot of them have the same carriers that they're all rep representing, repping, whatever you want to call it. So we fill out our accord forms, and we send the accords to all three brokers, all three wholesalers. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was the following day we start getting calls from some of these underwriters, and they're like, what in the hell are you doing? And we're like, uh, we just sent you a, a risk. And they're like, dude we know that you sent this to so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so. before you know it, you're, you know, you, you've pissed them off They're because blacklisted. They, they don't want you to waste their time. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know how ignorant we are and that we've only been an independent agent for about two weeks. So you have to be careful when you're developing these relationships. And that, that rolls into my question for you, Al, when you're talking about developing relationships with wholesalers, for the most part, what you're speaking of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but is that underwriter that you develop a relationship with who behind the scenes is working with the carrier underwriters for each carrier that he feels like you need to go out to? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, on, on a, like a secondary notice, too, is, you know, these carrier underwriters, if they've been around long enough, they see the accounts. And when they see the accounts come in from multiple wholesalers, they kind of get turned off, too. Uh, so sometimes it is does you a disservice. I know you weren't going out that way to do it, but, you know, obviously wholesalers, we trip over ourselves sometimes, but carrier underwriters do say, hey, we, we've seen this account multiple times this year and we're going to take a pass. I mean, and, and now to jump in that, to jump in real quick, that's kind of the same concept, right? Looking at us on the retail side, when we have insureds, right, get try to call four different agents. It's the right. same concept, just kind of working at a different level. Correct. And it's, it's the same. So how do we... And again, how do you explain it to somebody who's never done it before, right? It's, right. well, I just want to get a quote. Why do what I work with four people when I'm working with three? So it's it's an interesting, Dynamic. not dilemma, but a, a, call it whatever you want to call it, but a dance move, you know, but it's it's navigating those, those waters and building their, and the relationships important. Because, you know, Al, for example, like, you know, you deal with your Western world underwriter, right? Scottsdale, that's your underwriter. So it's almost like you got to deal with them just like we got to deal with you. And then we want to be able to send you, quality submissions to be able to bind. How do we get our submission on top of your desk? Right. right. Where we're, we're not just, you know, you know, our hit, I know hit ratio is important, but we want to be important. And on, on the front of your desk, we want to make it, we want to make one that value play that we want to bind that account. Yeah, no, I mean, um, like what both of you guys said, I mean, it's uh, there, the markets are, there's not an indefinite amount of markets. There's a lot less markets than people would imagine there are, especially if you're into a unique risk or a unique location. There may be only five to 10 markets that would ever quote this in general. Um, so part of it is, yes, wholesale is super competitive. There is a lot of similar, similar markets. Every wholesaler has a little bit of a unique uh, product or carrier or maybe even process. But a lot of times it just comes down to that relationship and speed uh, and then I say a little bit of predictability, you know, like if I do this, what should I expect? And, and when you have that comfort level, uh, it makes insurance a lot less anxious. And then the second part that I uh, where I thought you were going is I think it's important to meet a couple people at 
where, where you're doing business with, uh, especially if, if you have, uh, if your agency is big enough to where there's layers in your agency to also have, to have direct line of sight with those equivalents uh, with the wholesalers that you're dealing with, because, you know, what does it come down to? You know, like we're a promise to pay in the future. And so, you know, when that's when the, the metal hits the road, and that's when you, if you only know one contact at a place, you know, it gets, it makes you super anxious, you know, because this is when the clients, this is when your, your time to shine, like, Hey, you know, I told you to pay for this and, and this is how you're going to protect. And that, that would be really uh, embarrassing and a bad spot for you uh, to do that. But uh, yeah, our, our relationships with the carriers, which, you know, sometimes you would know or not know if we didn't tell you is, is how uh, wholesalers differentiate themselves. You know, some have a longer lasting relationships. Some have a lot more volume with one or the other. Some know different people. Uh, sometimes it comes down to, hey, uh, the person I normally deal with loves construction or they love hospitality or they love property or they love trucking, you know. So part of it's trying to navigate that. To me, uh, my advice is, hey, find somebody at that wholesaler that you build some sort of uh, volume with and then help then let them be the navigator internally. Like, hey, Al, I know you only write uh, workers comp. Can you tell me who's who, who's the best in your organization that writes cyber? And then I say, hey, I'll vouch for you. Lewis, let me call this guy. Uh, and I'll say, hey, Lewis is my best retailer. Can you please help him out? You know, that kind of thing saves you from trying to build up a bunch of different relationships uh, with wholesalers. And there is a proposition either, you know, you like a large wholesaler that has a lot of product, a lot of offices, a lot of specialties, and you feel like it's a lot of work to try to, you know, get volume and get gravity, or you say, hey, you know, I like a nimble, smaller, local uh, wholesaler that I have a lot of weight with them. So, you know, it's just, luckily, there's a lot of options in insurance, and, you know, you have to find what fits best for you. Uh, to me, I th to me, I'm old, you know, I'm over 35, so I like the relationship angle. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a whole new generation out there that's texting instead of uh, faxing and, and, and through, you know, email, you know, that was a game changer. You know, before it was fax and you'd have to fax your submissions in and fax them back. Now through email, you could deal with anybody across the country and you would have no idea if they were in your backyard or not. So hey, I, um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing I love about excess and surplus. So when the three of us started in the industry years ago, I think all three of us started at different times, but it's been over 10 years uh, with admitted carriers with like the blue bloods, you had a relationship, you know, you had a personal lines underwriter and you had their number and you could call and same with commercial. We still see a little bit of that, but what you're seeing more and more of with the admitted stuff with the blue blood carriers, the Liberty mutuals, the, state autos the nationwides all those state state farm is these pool pool underwriters so you just never know when you pick up the right. phone who you're going to call but with excess and surplus typically like you just said a minute ago you do have if you'll if you'll work hard enough and develop a relationship with an underwriter you can speed dial them and say hey i got i need help on this account I like that. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they do have, you know, in uh, wholesale, there are models where it is more of a uh, next man up. Right. And so the next man up does give you a lot of confidence and speed. Mm. Uh, sometimes you don't get a lot of confidence. If I want to build a relationship with them. 
you know, obviously you're going to have some accounts that are a little tougher than others. And, right. you know, how do you build that gravity with them? Uh, so that's harder, but you know, speed kills, we know like that's what it comes down to is give it fast, do what you said you were going to do and hopefully come in cheaper and faster than you told me it was. Hey, um, and then that's the, that's the game plan. Hey guys, I got a question for you. What's your top, top secret on, uh, making sure you stay at the top of the pile as far as when you submit a risk to, to a wholesaler? It, it goes to the relationships, right? I, I think at the end of the day, it's, 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 I almost treat our relationship with wholesale brokers as, as I want our, our REITs on the, our eight, our insurers treating us as retail agents, um, giving them attention, being transparent, being honest, you know, trying to work with them specifically Right. It is a balance, right? That's why relationships matter so much on the back end. It's kind of we're we're middlemen, right? At the end of the day, when we get to this ENS side, right? But it's having that mutual respect and talking to Al and saying, Al, this is my risk. Can you beat it? Can you help me? You'd be surprised once you develop that trust and rapport. I mean, you don't have to have a full submission. This is a, this this could be a two minute conversation, right? I'll call Al on the phone and ask him. I got this restaurant. This is what they're paying. This is the rate. What are your thoughts? He'll tell me, Lewis, keep it. Don't worry about it. Move on. You could sell it. That gives me the confidence to go back to our insured and say X, Y, and Z, right? This is all about being efficient. I think a lot of times on the wholesale side, there's like this misconception that it's, it takes a lot of time. It can be if you don't know kind of where to go. But if you understand, if you have a plan, you have a relationships, it could be very efficient and very profitable. I, I, one thing I wanted to kind of mention, and this is, this is where I struggle with, and I'll put on the spot, right? My biggest struggle dealing with, you know, Al, we have four or five different relationships is, and now I want to ask you, how do you, how do you do this right now? You know, we're, I'm a nice guy. You're a nice guy, right? But how do I handle when you're working an account and I get a quote and you tell me this is the best option from your team? How do, how do you handle us shopping it right with other agents? Like if I move an account, how transparent do you want to be? Because I've had situations before where, look, I've had not you, but maybe somebody on your team dropped the ball. And again, I need to write business. Like, I'm not going to lose, right? I want to write it with you, but I don't want to lose. But I have to move it to the wholesaler. How do, you, how do you prefer agents to handle that? Sometimes it might not be your fault, or it just could be there's one market, another underwriter that kind of came back and got a last minute quote. Um, do you want to get the last look? Because that's another thing too. And so it's a long-winded question. But if I shop it around and I got a 20% reduction, you've been on it for two years. Again, we're talking about long-term relationships. What are your thoughts? Do you, do, do you feel like I should show you that option? Like, hey, Al, by the way, you got your buck ticked by X other wholesaler. Can you beat it? Because if you do beat it, then as an agent, how do I feel, right? Like, I, walk me through that because I, I go through that and it's, it's one of those over-communication type stuff, but it's, it is a sticky situation for a lot of agents. And I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, obviously the wholesalers, we know retailers are shopping us, uh, keeps everybody on their toes. And like you said, you know, sometimes there's a market that we don't have, or maybe it's a relationship uh, that we don't have and vice versa. That's not how we win sometimes. So, I mean, obviously the, the uh, cat, the top bird spot is first shot, last shot, uh, you know, and like you said, transparent, but to me as a producer and not, you know, everybody's different, obviously, but to me, it's if somebody says, Hey, listen, you know, I want to stay with you, but there's just a much better terms. And I don't think there's anything that you could do about it, but I wanted to let you know that I'm moving this account. Obviously it takes a lot of time to do that. And maybe you would reserve that for your best relationships, not to, to harm it, but you know, wholesalers, we know that we're competitive. If we don't bring our a game, somebody is going to do it to us. I think that 
goes a long way, you know, just like when you have to deliver bad news, you do it over the phone versus hiding behind email. Uh, but those are, you know, it's uh, person by person. But I, I do think, you know, we, our outcome is in your hands on new and renewal business. You know, we can bring it all the way to the end, but you're the one who's taking it across the end zone, you know? And so we know without you, we're not going to be anything. So, you know, part of our job is that we have to come through for you and we know that you got to eat, you know, and protecting, protecting your relationship with me would cost you a business. You're not, not going to do that. You know, we understand that. So it's a, a competitive world. I would say, uh, I would say if you have a long standing relationship, you know, last shot's always nice, but you know, obviously it takes a lot of work to go back and forth uh, to do that. But on the flip side, I'd hundred percent agree with you that if you come back in the last minute and say, Hey, Al, I got this other quote and you say, Hey, I can beat that. Then you're wondering like, well, why didn't you beat yeah. that before? You know? Um, right. So right. there's so many circular arguments in insurance, you know, it's like, uh, why is it excluded? They don't have that. And I'm like, well, that's why we're excluding. Well, if, it, if we don't have it, why do you have to exclude it? You know, so it's like it's one of those things where uh, it could go around a uh, hundred times. But I do I do agree with you. And I do think part of uh, how wholesale and retail could work better is, you know, like a work a day in wholesale and then wholesalers work a day. Like I've never worked in retail, so I don't know what it's like to have to face a client with a 20 percent increase that's been clean for years. Or I don't have to know. I don't have to say, hey, I know you had full A and B and I know you've never had an assault and battery claim, but now this, I have to give you a sublimit or have to tell them that the claim is not covered. I've never had to do that. So I don't have the empathy. I'm empathetic, but I've never had to experience it myself. And so I do think wholesalers and retailers could work better together in that sense. But I agree. Uh, we do appreciate um, that you have to win and you have to, you have mouths to feed yourself. And, um, and I would say if, if that person's really upset, then, you know, at some point it's also a reflection upon them, you know, maybe, uh, it didn't get as priority or maybe just say, Hey, you beat me fair and square. You know, we will shake hands and we'll try again next year, you know, but you know, that's, there's a lot of characters and personalities in insurance, you know? So uh, yeah. I personally that's like it that way, it. but <laughs> I, I mean, we're aggressive. We want to win too, you know? So, I mean, not to say that it's business, but people do take it personally sometimes. Al, I want to, as we're getting towards the end of this podcast, I have to do this. I want to do this real fast. The Insurance Guys podcast is powered by Glovebox. Glovebox is the only mobile app. Well, not the only, but it should be the only mobile app in the insurance industry for independent agents. You can go to our website, my website, iprotectinsurance.com. We now have a Glovebox client login on the front of our website that they can actually log in, get their deck pages, get their auto ID cards, plus the mobile app to go on their telephone, their smartphone. So, guys, if if you love the podcast, if you listen to the podcast, do me a favor and at least go out and get a demo of the Glovebox app and see how it can help your clients and help reduce service costs in your agency. Now, with that said, I have five industries here. We're going to get we're going to do the Glovebox five industry summary of where we are middle of 2021 and kind of an outlook moving into 2022 on these five industries. And we'll just summarize it because I know each one we could probably take, do a four hour podcast on, but number one industry, Al help us out here. Construction. We're going to see rates go up, go down, stay the same. Where, where are we at with that? I mean, I think overall we're in a, you know, a firming, it's not as firm as it's been. And obviously you're going to have States by States and different, um, classes of construction, but, you know, 
pretty much anything like envelope, you know, uh, roof, windows, doors, uh, any multifamily, you know, those are always difficult. Uh, but, you know, there are markets uh, that are willing to write that business. And, you know, different states have different uh, legal climates. Uh, but I would say it's still firm. It's probably not, we haven't got to a soft market. I mean, eventually at some point with the profitability of carriers, once they return to profitability, you also have investments, the investment world that will cause uh, the market to, you know, soften and to be more, like like I was saying before, more competitive. So the idea when your client has multiple options, then that's a competitive market. You know, uh, right now, in some cases, there's only one option. So, you know, it's uh, uncompetitive. And and the more that it's uncompetitive, you lose a lot of leverage against the marketplace, you know. So um, that's the idea. You are seeing people on the sidelines starting to recoup group up. There's a lot of movement in insurance industries as far as the uh, heads of carriers are moving around, the product leaders are moving around. So everybody's kind of lining up for when the market does change to release some of that capacity to the marketplace. But I would say best in class risks, you would still have a lot of options. But uh, like I said, some of those troubled classes uh, or still be a firm, I would say. Yeah. Next one, glove box code number two, habitational. So habitational, uh, as Lewis knows, especially in Florida, is tough. Uh, you know, uh, salt and battery is the hot topic. You know, there's a lot I more. I mean, sco- just oh, trying try to get a sublimit, you know, we, we got to twist your arm. It's like you, you got to give your firstborn and promise X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's a problem right now. So the part of, part of the issue really is, I mean, obviously insurance, it gets uh, painted with a bad picture here, but uh, really that's the legal climate. You know, there are some people who believe if there's multiple gunshots, each bullet is its own occurrence. Right. Uh, so the and and so what happens is the legal environment is is uh, so charged in the sense that if something bad happens on your property, regardless if it was your fault or not, regardless if you uh, mitigated the the chance of that happening, it is so easy to win a large judgment against you. And so there's a lot of these things that are called social inflation. <laughs> there are a lot of buzzwords, you know, social inflation, uh, nuclear verdicts. So. Here we you know, go. A million, a million hey. dollars doesn't get people out of bed anymore. You say like, hey, unless it's like $10 million, I'll open my eye. But up, right, if it's under right. that. And so, you know, you think about a um, apartment complex or a condo, uh, you know, they they do what's what's required in their area and they're a good risk. And then something terrible happens. I mean, we've had them before, right? There's a shootout in the street. Nobody lived there. Uh, nobody was visiting somebody there and they will tag all the properties around there and you feel like how is that the insured's uh responsibility but unfortunately the way that we are insufficient lighting insufficient lighting will be the the way we are in the world is it's so easy for attorneys and for juries to you know punish uh insureds or carriers for that and so you know they're paying out millions of dollars and they're only taking in a little bit so uh through crime statistics and through you know there's different vendors that provide scoring uh, carriers are starting to, especially in South Florida, like uh, Lewis has mentioned, sometimes it's impossible to even get a sublimit. You know, strange enough, like Miami Beach, for instance, does not always score that well, um, where those are, you know, high end, you know, million dollar plus unit condo. I mean, 50 floors of million dollar unit condos, and it has a poor crime score rating. So there is some weird parts of that. And then that's where I would say it kind of goes back into, you know, trying to paint the risk in the best possible light. And if it's, it may, there may not, nothing that we could do, the market, that may be the best terms that the market may bear. 
uh, you know, always, always when the premium goes up, you know, people are more likely to listen and get creative. Uh, but that's kind of a, that happens in trucking as well. That's a, that's what's driving trucking is these nuclear awards. I don't know if you guys saw, but the, it was like four or $500 million award for a trucking accident in Florida. Uh, wow. I think James River was on it, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure who the actual carrier was, but it, I think the trucker ran over on a motorcyclist, I think. And, you know, they were going to punish them. So, you know, how much premium did somebody take in? You know, they were not expecting a $500 million jury award, you know. So, Al, here, here's what I've got for you guys. We are talking about the casualty market right now. So 2020 was the most erratic casualty market in 30 years in the insurance industry. We had dramatic rate increases, we had vacated capacity, and we had non-renewals. So some of the areas that we just discussed real quick were sexual abuse and molestation, huge rate increases, cyber, huge rate increases, and those are going to continue, by the way, assault and battery. Uh, those are especially in high hazard risk, but let me... Al, let me read you here. This is this is something I just printed off before this podcast. Top premises liability verdicts. Are you ready, guys? Here it comes. Navy veteran robbed and shot outside Kroger Shopping Center. Awarded $85 million. Ex-lab technician contracted mesothelioma, asbestos exposure, $72 million. Girl sexually assaulted at Behavioral Treatment Center, $70 million. Man shot and robbed in CBS parking lot, $48 million. Former SEC official, and I assume that means football. I don't know. It may, may mean <laughs> securities and exchange. Paralyzed in bicycle accident at the golf club, $42 million. I could keep going. Child injured on a carnival ride, looks like eight to nine million dollar verdict so that goes in line with what you're saying as far as my agency i protect insurance we were hit last uh i think it was two years ago with a 1.6 million dollar settlement was not a verdict from a child that was two years old that drowned in a swimming pool at an apartment complex in birmingham alabama the mother was charged with some form of negligence by the police department because she claimed she was there. They, they found her. She was on a cameras in a Walmart about a mile and a half away during the incident. She had left the two-year-old there with an eight-year-old. But we were hit. Our agency was hit with a $1.6 million settlement in that particular case. Everything I'm saying right now just goes along with what you're saying. Uh, as far yeah, as I mean, the... the yeah, I mean, the world's, you know, I mean, you don't have to look that far. I mean, the world's pretty divided and charged right now. You also have, you know, attorneys are getting a lot smarter about how to trigger coverage and how to get these limits. Uh, there's a book, Reptile Theory. That's where they get these uh, nuclear awards. And attorneys, it's a game plan. And it's, uh, they got basically like a flow chart on how to win. And the unpredictability of it for insurance carriers, that's where they get uh, nervous. And that's when they start tightening terms and conditions and start increasing pricing. But there was the insurance marketplace definitely was a soft and from like 2000, it was like 15 quarters of reduction where, you know, like the every, everything's going up, you know, gas, milk, 
the cost of, to adjust the claim. So it was a little bit unnatural that the pricing just kept going lower and lower and lower, but the market was competitive. So that's good for the clients, you know, in a competitive market, maybe the carrier wasn't going to make money, but it was good for the client. Well, now it's just, it just swung in the other direction. So I'm sure there's probably accounts that Lewis has written over the last 10 or 15 years where, you know, he could chart it out like, Hey, down, 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 where no, no major changes to the insured. And then all of a sudden back up again, and you're saying, right. well, hey, listen, you're still lower than you were uh, seven years ago. And they don't want to hear that, of course. But um, uh, on the renewal proposal, trust me, we map it out just to remind <laughs> people. They, we, all, we have a short-term memory, right? It's still less but, than it was five years ago. But, you know, i got to remind you. You know, as, as more carriers enter the marketplace, as we make it attractive for the carriers, that, uh, that helps out the insureds. Uh, the flip side is we have to perform and they have to be profitable. I mean, there are for-profit companies, you know, so they want to make money as well. And the better that they can predict with accuracy what their claims exposure is going to be, the more stable the marketplace will be. Mm. I think a lot of it still has to go down to like relationships. You know, if it's a customer of yours, uh, say it's a, one of uh, Lewis's best customers, he has a very close relationship with him or her. And then it's a, with a wholesaler or his direct market has a direct relationship I think claims sometimes can be handled a lot more um, uh, gently. It doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be in a confrontational manner. And that's where you start getting the attorneys involved. And I think that's where the, if you look at where the dollars go, the claims dollars go, very rarely does a majority of the payment go to the insured. You know, uh, it's funding other uh, vendors. And so, which is, without them, they wouldn't need insurance. So, you know, we're in this together. But I think a lot of times, especially, uh, for instance, like homeowners is very difficult in Florida. I think a lot has to go down to the relationship. If, if we had a better relationship with the retailers, the retailers had a better relationship with the insureds, a lot of this, they would know who to call. You know, I even uh, use uh, my wife sometimes. If I was out of town and, and there was a claim, who would she call? Would she call a public adjuster? Would she call a restoration uh, company? Or would she call our agent? Or would right. she call the company, you know? And so you figure... 50% chance she's not going to call the most efficient way uh, to handle that claim. And we're all paying for it, you know, through uh, in- increased costs of handling claims. Hey, before we get off this podcast, I want to ask a question that I know is probably if they haven't thought about it, as soon as I say it, they're going to be like, yes. And this, this question, Al, I'm sorry, is not for you. It's for my dear, dear friend down in Miami. So without getting too far into this, I know a lot of insurance agents, guys are interested in hearing because you guys at JAG have about half of Miami insured. And that is the truth. They do. They're one of the fastest growing, best insurance agencies in America. The day that the condo down there fell made national news, obviously international news. The very first thing I thought of when I saw it on the t- TV was you. And I thought, my God, please don't let – I think I sent you a text or something. You did. Said, you did. Please you did. do not – please tell me you did not have that insured. Tell our audience a little bit about just being there. And I'm, I don't know if you've driven by there, but just being in the insurance industry and being kind of not a part of that, but just being around it, what it was like. Well, it's interesting because when it did happen, and again, it, they're catastrophic things that happen on a daily basis. I mean, right now across the world, but it, it just feels like if you're not, if you're not there, you don't feel as attached. I mean, this is, you know, five miles from my house 
And then down here in South Florida, we're a big city, but everyone's somewhat connected. So the first thought was who lives there? You know, is it one of our insureds, right? Friends, family. I did have friends of friends who were, you know, who, who were unfortunately in, in the actual uh, condo association that fell. So they obviously passed away. So it, when that happened, I mean, it, it, was, it was a huge culture shock. And now we're seeing it now here down in South Florida. It's one of those things that should never happen. Mm. I mean, it, it's almost unfathomable, right? Um, the, and then obviously now we're looking for answers. I mean, we can go on this for, for hours, right? In terms of what happened, but just that's going to change a lot. It's changing now every day as far as how we look at and how we're underwriting some of these high rises on the water. Right. I mean, you could you can't pinpoint of what happened, but the truth is it was an older building. You can call it lack of maintenance, right? There was construction going around it. We actually ensure the condo being built next door. So there were all, all these things happen. It fell. It's unexcusable. Now it becomes that, that ripple effect is going to affect all of us in the insurance market. I mean, everybody on that building was excess and surplus lines, right? And if you go down the coastline, there's miles of associations that are very similar construction, you know, very similar, just age. I mean, the characteristics are the same. So what happened? There's no answers. It's a problem. I mean, I could say what we're, what we're looking at, and I can be attested to this as well. A lot of our renewals um, on older associations, even newer stuff right now, it has been, talk about difficult. It's been overwhelming. I've, I've lost more hair in the last year than in the last 10 years, right? I'm playing catch up. And I got to figure out what's going what's to happen, but it's, it, it's a problem. It's unfortunate it happened. I mean, we're still talking to people every day. We're looking at legislation change. I didn't know this. So I live in South Florida, right? The two biggest counties, Dayton and Broward County, right? Where I, where I live. I mean, they're, they're, they're the only counties in Florida that require a 40-year certification. So I didn't know this till the other day. So to think about every building in Florida doesn't have to go through any sort of process as far as checks and balances. It's ridiculous. So there's a lot but of people They only here. have to get the building inspected every four zero, 40 years. 40 years, but, but that's, that's it's, a, it's a county inspection that they have to pass that's only in two counties in the state of florida mm. i mean everybody else i mean it, it's just it doesn't i didn't know this it happened but it just the fact that there's you know we can go on to in terms of condo police and this is everybody in every county right who's doing what it, it should never happen it's unfortunate to happen it's disappointing i'm angry i have friends family who passed away in that building i got a friend of mine who sold their unit the friday and that building collapsed on Tuesday. He's a buddy of mine. He's still in shock. Um, a really good friend of mine. I mean, it, th this stuff shouldn't happen. And, and accountability needs to happen. Um, I mean, I can go on, go on and so forth. But hey, Gaz, I, you did reach out to me the day of. Gaz, did most of the unit owners in there, were they using that building almost like an Airbnb where they were, they were not there, but they were renting it out through something well, like I, Airbnb? It, th that is the norm. If yeah. you live on, especially North Miami on the beach, right? We have a lot of, we call them the snowbirds that come down here. Mm -hmm. um, most of those homes are either retirement, uh, you know, places for people to, to retire and or second homes where people can enjoy on the weekends, but they'll take advantage of renting it out to, we, you know, to obviously the, everybody lives up north that comes down to enjoy our nice weather. So it, it is both. So it was kind of a mix. Like I give you an example, my, my buddy who sold the unit, he had a renter in there, Airbnb. They were there for, they were there for three weeks. He sold the unit on Friday to a family in New York. Um, the family in New York couldn't come down. So he let the renter stay in there for another, for, for another week. They passed away. Right. Like talk about, like, just think about that, like kind of what happened. It's, it's, um, 
It's and really not, unfortunate. Not, not, not to mention the litigation that will be tied up with that for the next probably 10 to 15 years of litigation associated with that, just from all angles, every angle. You, uh, you know what pisses me off about that, Scott? I'll jump in there real quick. Last thing is, is this is an example um, of why everybody's underinsured. Everybody's, I mean, this is, a, this is just the prime example of, and there's rules and regulations, right? Replacement, replacement cost appraisals every, every three years, associations have to get. But so many people cut corners. Everybody wants to cut, you know, cut corners on insurance, on the values. They want to save money, but they don't realize what could happen. And I can tell you right now, and I look at our book, we talk to clients every day, we can scream, I could be blue in the face, but most people undervalue the advice we give as agents of what they should do, right? They treat insurance like a commodity. That's got to change. Yeah. That's got to, that's got, that's got to change. I mean, we're here to help. And this is an example. I mean, they were extremely underinsured. Most people are underinsured and everybody's really tough until something happens. Right. So um, this is a huge wake up call. It's, it honestly still bothers me that this happened. I had an investor in my office about three weeks ago and he was giving me the, all I care about is price. I mean, he's literally sitting across from my desk and I said, yeah, all you care about is price until you have a claim and then you want the most you could possibly get. And he right. just, and when I said it, it took, it shook him. He wasn't expecting me to come back with that. And he kind of cocked his head to the side and he blinked about three times. And he's like, well, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and he, what, what else can you say? But you're right. That's exactly what I want. The least I can possibly, you know, the cheapest I can get when I get it. But then when something bad really happens, I want the most I can possibly get. And, and, and I think going back to like, and I'm gonna wrap this up, but but just the mindset of us as an as an as an industry to stop looking at insurance as a commodity. Right. Like everyone just looks at it as a piece of paper. It's not. It's peace of mind. It's value. There's there's so many tan intangible things. That's even a word. I don't even know anymore of what you have to do. But if we had a, if we could just change that mindset in, in terms of like we're giving that ultimate peace of mind and look at it different, you wouldn't want to save a couple hundred dollars. I mean, it's it's. No. You <laughs> in the face, man. I, I, I have this conversation on a daily basis. We all do. I, I know. Yeah, I hear you. Al, I want to say thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, before we get off this podcast, Al, because I don't think we did a very good job of doing it, and I think agents need to know more about you and RPS. I mean, I, I we write business through RPS in my agency all the time. You are one of the three. I mean, you didn't know this before we got on this podcast, but you're one of our three brokers that we use at iProtect Insurance, and you guys are an 800-pound gorilla. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of capacity. You've got a lot of carriers that you represent. Tell our audience about a little bit about RPS before we get off the show because I want them to uh, know who you guys are and how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so, uh, like you guys know, um, just like in retail world, uh, the big keep getting bigger. Uh, you know, there's value and consolidation. So that's been happening a lot in, insur in insurance, especially in wholesale. So traditionally, it was more family-run operations uh, nationwide, more local. But in order to compete, in order to create new products, in order to have the technology, and you know, technology spend maybe even for you guys is equal to real estate nowadays. So. There's a huge a cost. And so what they do is are consolidating. And so RPS, I was early on that train, um, started in 97, uh, basically by acquiring quality firms that had the same culture and mindset. So there's uh, over 3,000 employees nationwide, uh, 70 offices, uh, binding, brokerage, healthcare, executive lines, transportation, uh, cyber, uh, we have an online platform for those who, who uh, want, like to do business online. We have a standard aggregation model. 
So we're trying to be in every tower of expertise. We know that people need expertise uh, bringing products. Uh, I'm in the Florida office and the binding office. Uh, so we're here to serve our local agents in Florida, but uh, we also have executive lines, healthcare, uh, all those uh, spe specialists in our state too. Uh, so it's a, a great company. Uh, the culture's there. Uh, like I said, if, the, if there's somebody who needs uh, uh, access and you need me to be the navigator to find out who's in your state, you know, just let me know. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, we're primed for the future. The gas, uh, we're our foot's on the gas. We're always uh, uh, trying to innovate. Like you said, there are some other competitors. Uh, we beat them, they beat us. And that's all to your benefit as an independent agent uh, and to your client that there's competition. So we try to do it. I'm old school. So, you know, I like to do it the old fashioned way, but most of the people that are coming in uh, are, are, are doing it. And we, we, we can't ignore that the technology is happening. So they are uh, pushing uh, for a lot of things that you can rate, quote, buy and issue online. So that is coming. And I do think it meets a lot of efficiency uh, models, even for retailers, because you guys are under the gun for expenses as well. So right. kind of like the future they expect is that you're going to enter in some core pieces of information and it's going to be able to pump you out multiple products uh, in order to cross sell. But um, it's a great company. It's the, it's the culture. I think the people that care, obviously wholesale is under a lot of pressure right now. Uh, maybe the service that you've gotten in the past is uh, not as great because it's, it's like a, a fire hose into the wholesale industry. So those relationships are really paying off now. If you've built them over the, over the years to get a uh, response, but uh, if it's if you're just coming into right now and you're not getting uh, the love that you want, you know, just give me a ring and I'll, I'll put, point you in the right direction. But uh, our idea is to be the eyes and ears uh, for you, uh, an extension of your marketing department uh, to help bring you solutions to your clients. Absolutely. Guys, as I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world create relationships, build relationships, make money for your family, for your husband, for your wife, for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Go out there, figure out what your why is, and then go out and write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Top five, I love you. Love you too, man. Hey, Al. Anytime you want to come on, the yeah, podcast. I can go on. I don't. It's not like I'm afraid to talk. You know, you just, you just <laughs> say the word and you're here. Yeah, we really appreciate you being on, guys. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. And thank you so much for being a part of our family. And we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. and Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.